You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field, and then I, uh, I look over at my dad, and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. With the news that the Red Sox have offered the chief baseball officer, president of baseball operations, chief decision maker, whatever you want to call it, position to Craig Breslow. We want to resurface the conversation that we had with Patrick Mooney, the guy who really broke the story that things were getting hot and heavy between Breslow and the Red Sox. Uh, the conversation we had with Patrick and Julie McWilliams as well, talking about Breslow's candidacy, breaking it down and offering the type of perspective that's going to make you look at sort of Craig Breslow, I think, in a little bit different light. That's what we wanted to do. In case you missed it, we wanted to resurface that for you. seemed timely, so here you go. Here's a baseball isn't boring vault. All right, two of the finest human beings that I know, Patrick Mooney of The Athletic and Julie McWilliams of Nesson. <laughs> we'd also dabbles with the boston globe uh also but also more importantly he's here now with with the baseballs and boring podcast julian's second appearance i think patrick this might be your second appearance on this iteration of my podcast life the baseball yeah, I, I believe i was on the bradfoe show yeah yeah but this is national this is big. Okay. All right. This, All right. this is this is big. So when he has news, a brand now. I have a yeah. brand. And I'm gonna pro, I'm, I'm gonna give you another hollow promise for t-shirt, which I, I, I pay off on every third time. Um Julie, how you have what do you have? A sweatshirt or a t-shirt? You you were begging for something. I have both. Oh, there you go. All right, of course. Do you wear them? Yes, of course. All right. Okay. All right. I didn't, real, I didn't realize this. I was talking to uh, the Godfather, Joe Kelly, last night for the podcast, and because he was wearing around his baseball support. I said, you wearing the playoffs? He's like, they don't let you. They don't let – yeah. They don't – they said that you can only wear, like, on the field anyway, like MLB-issued stuff during the playoffs. Jeez, what a, what an arrogant a-holes. Seriously? <laughs> 
<laughs> That's so on brand, though, for MLB. Like, of course they would have a rule about that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Julian McWilliams, colon, MLB arrogant a-holes. <laughs> Bobby uh, <and> Brown. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, listen. Uh, let's talk some. Let's talk some front offs. Let's talk some off season. Even though we're still in the playoffs. All right, fellas. Um, all right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. We're gonna talk first about Craig Breslow. And Craig Breslow is an interesting guy. And as I was just telling Patrick, he got Julian. You can attest to this. He got the city of Boston a buzzing, didn't he? Yeah, he got him buzzing. He did. He did. It's been it's been some dark days here. You know, nobody wanted nobody wanted to be here. It's like there was like the uh, the ugly the girl who thought she was hot, and all of a sudden everybody's saying, "No, uh, you're actually like a five. But they're back up to a seven, Rob. They are. Oh, so solely because of Craig Breslow. Exactly. Like, he, he went. Boston went from a five to a seven because of a guy who has never. You know, four. been above above four. No, it was oh, a four. Went for a like four. A, it was a four. Oh, really? The, Neil, I mean, everybody was, Neil Huntington everybody. didn't get him up to a five. No, 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 no. That didn't quite push the needle. That that, that didn't that didn't quite like that that didn't quite move move the needle. But, Dad Levine, know. no. Uh, no. Four no. and a half. No. Four 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 and a quarter. Okay, and the idea of Kim Ang. No, the idea. The, the possibility, yeah. you know, all of us have possibilities, right? <laughs> I mean, my possibility is Halle Berry. That's not happening, though. So, you know, you got to work with what you have. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should edit that part out in case your uh, wife is a loyal subscriber to the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast. Uh, hope you're <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, we like we said, you got, Patrick, you got the city buzzing with Craig Breslow. So take us through, take Julie and myself through sort of when when you first heard the news that Craig Breslow was in the mix for some. I think the first time anyone said anything was Gammon's tweet, right, about that they were looking at him for a pitching something or other. But t- take me through your thought process about when Craig Breslow's name and the Red Sox f- were first linked up. Well, Rob, I'd say that every couple of years, it seems like we are comparing notes and talking about this weird, incestuous Cubs-Red Sox relationship of – players and executives changing sides and the, uh, you know, various pissing matches they've had uh, over the years. But this one, obviously, uh, Peter Gammons is a legend. He had that tweet. I think that was off in the sense of like, like Craig Breslow isn't taking another job to like run your pitching program and like, you know, do Zooms with your minor league prospects like he wants to run a team and there's been a lot of great reporting uh out of boston like here and there with you know um present company included and you know my colleagues at the athletic lots of different outlets so not saying like craig brezzo is the only guy here but he's deeply involved in this and this is you know he would not we would not be at this point if he wasn't a serious player. And what I, what I mean in that is like the Cubs knew he'd go run a team at some point, 
they also knew he wouldn't just go work for any other team that, you know, he would want, you know, power. He would want a payroll. He would, you know, want something that works for his family and the Red Sox are one of those kind of rare teams. And, you know, he can afford to be patient because he has this like unicorn resume of, you know, Ivy league and world series pedigree. Like it's hard to, to find that. And so, you know, I think he has grown um, over the years with the Cubs. And I think, you know, Theo Epstein was personally involved in this. Uh, he kind of made this happen when Craig was looking to make this transition and basically told him, like, you write the job description, you fill out the contract, do whatever you want. Like, you know, you have amazing credentials. That was kind of the pitch to him. And you know, they he never had to move to Chicago. Uh, he still lives not far from you guys, not far from Fenway Park. And, you know, really... This is someone who, and you guys probably know him better than I do, honestly. I mean, going back to his time as a player, someone who sees the long game and knows that he can afford to be patient. And this is one of those rare opportunities. And when I mean a rare opportunity, it's to be the number one guy. It's like he's basically the GM anyways now. And GMs, as we all know, are basically assistant GMs. And so Mm -hmm. if you want him to run your show, um, he has a very interesting resume if you want someone to you know explain spin rates and pitch grips to like your a ball pitchers like he's already done that so there's a lot to pick through there i before i get back to you patrick julian you tell me your thoughts when you heard this when you when you read patrick's report when you first heard about breslow being involved what was your thought yeah i think that was you know, obviously, I think we talked about it on the last time, Rob, in terms of um, them getting guys, a guy that, you know, has a pulse for, I guess, Boston itself. And and you know, I think not to beat a dead horse, I think we you know that we obviously think that, you know, Heim sometimes sort of missed that in some senses. And, you know, obviously with Craig playing here, um, you know, the unique, unique background of having that Ivy League pedigree, you know, you know, you know, can sort of submerge himself in, in analytics and plus have the feel for the game, have the feel for the market. I mean, that's that's probably what you're looking for, right? In terms of in terms of, of somebody who can come in here and, and, and do something. And then, you know, obviously I read your story, Patrick, it was really good in terms of just him, you know, him sort of shifting the overall pitching um dynamics with the Cubs. And that's that's an area where the Red Sox have struggled. Not necessarily, I mean not even just at the big league level, but, you know, even down to the minor league level, you look and you say, you know, Brian Mott is there, you know, was their number one pitching prospect and he hasn't pitched in what, like say two years or something like that. And when he does pitch, he can't throw strikes. And so, you know, they haven't really developed a starter, you know, Brian Bale is like probably their first starter they've developed since what, I think like Clay Buckholtz, I believe. Or right. something like that. So that's an issue. Um, it's an organizational issue that existed even when they were winning, you know, World Series in 2013 and I guess 2018 or some something like that, where they just, you know, they they don't have that that inner workings of, of starters that that they've sort of built up. And you're sort of seeing that now with the Tanner Houks and the guys like that. So it makes sense. Um, you know, you got to go out there and get a pitching guy. Pitching is where they've struggled. And, you know, what better person, I, I, you know, I guess than for as the Red Sox see it, than, than a guy that has the the history of playing here in addition to you know, the the history to make 
not just not just bring in analytics, but also also make them digestible. Because if you if you talk to a lot of players, they'll say they want the information. They just need somebody just to be able to explain it and it's in it in its simplest terms to make it this to to sort of convince them to do certain things. Cause you know, players, they have their routines, they have their their uh you know thoughts on things and and to to that got them here. So to be able to, you know, sort of convince them to, you know, hey, your your fastball can obviously work better up in the zone. Here's why. Um, you know, or, you know, you should throw your sinker more or this or that, like you have to be able to have something concrete there versus just saying, Hey, here's, here's what the numbers say, go out and apply it. So uh, there's a lot to, again, there's a lot to pick through with both of you guys and Patrick, I'm going to ask you in a second that you had mentioned about he's, he wants to be the guy, like this is, has to be the guy. He's basically the GM now, which is the guy under the guy, um, but before I do, before I get to that, I'll say this. I'm just going to add to all the things that you guys said is I think that part of this is you had talked about, you guys had talked about sort of this unicorn resume, right? Yale and championship and diving in the analytics and all of that. And I, I mentioned this today and the thing I wrote I think that what I heard about Chris Young, and there are some similarities to draw from this, right? I mean, relatively the same amount of time in the major leagues. Uh, very bright guy. Um, guy who had come up and and sort of dove into the analytical side of a front office. Um, and now a guy who's in charge. But you look at Chris Young and you hear this. I heard it right at the trade deadline. This is a guy who knows what it feels like to be a major league player in a major league clubhouse. And I think that not to say that a lot of these candidates that are out there can't do the job, but I look at what Chris Young and, and the feel of, okay, this guy's, this guy's analytics might not be right on point, but I know that he's going to come through when it counts the most. I know what that guy has gone through. I know, hey, he, he has this injury, and I know he can get past that injury and be productive. I look at all of that, and I say, okay, that correlates with what Craig Breslow brings as well. So with that said, Patrick, you've been around Breslow's tenure with the Cubs. Um, you talked about that unicorn resume. Can you see that? Because – because I think that right now you look at, at what Julian was saying or and what you were saying, Patrick. This isn't about just, hey, I'm going to show you this grip. I'm going to show you the rap soda. I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you that. This job is all of this stuff that we're talking about. So from your perspective of what you've been around with Breslow, do you feel like this is his time to do exactly what we're talking about? Well, I'd say that. You know, the Cubs talk about him differently than even a couple of years ago when, I don't know, the Mets changed the people on their team so often, but I feel like maybe it was before Billy Epler was hired, like I heard maybe Breslow. And, I, and the word I got was, you know, not – he's still got kind of a ways to go if you're talking about running a major league team and the transactional side and all of that. Uh, but what Breslow did was really implement these kind of – systems and the impl implementation did not always go smoothly as you guys know when you're dealing with like hundreds of you know players and coaches and, and staffers and there was some trial and error pitchers always get injured 
anyways, um, technology is, you know, always a hot button issue, uh, you know, in clubhouses um, and stuff like that. So I'm not saying everything's been perfect on the pitching side of the Cubs organization, but like he hired up staff. He uh, implemented these programs. He leaned into uh, even harder into uh, analytics, pitch design, pitch shapes. And um, when I say trial and error, I mean, I do think he and the Cubs have adapted over the years and it's hard to like separate, you know, sometimes the credit or the blame, like, I'm so glad, uh, Julian, that you mentioned Clay Buckholes because I couldn't remember that guy's name. And I had to, I always had in the back of my head because that was like, you know, Theo's rap, right? Like he didn't draft John Lester. And the only other like starter they developed was uh, that guy. And the Cubs had a similar kind of drought. And so it's not like the Cubs are the Rays or the Dodgers now, but you know they had come from such a, lower end of major league baseball and some of this stuff and just kind of dragging it, you know, towards the middle or maybe the to an above average place makes a significant difference. And some of that is, you know, Theo's gone and the Cubs drafted pitchers in the first round. That's something that Theo didn't really do here. Uh, One of their biggest success stories was, you know, drafted under Jason McLeod, the former Red Sox executive. And that's Justin Steele. And that took like, I don't know, a decade. So you obviously have to speed some of this up, but there are a lot of things that you can point to just like uh, I'm sure Craig Breslow in his interview can pull out tons of stats that say, you know, the Cubs stuff uh, and fastball velocity and like how it, you know, strikeout rates and walk rate, how it relates to across major league baseball. And it can be pretty compelling, uh, presentation when you factor it in with all this other stuff that we're talking about, how he can walk into the home clubhouse in Fenway park and know exactly uh, what's that, what that's like. So Julian, you said going from a four to four to a seven, all the things that we're talking about, right? This is, this is, this is what it comes, this is what it comes down to because let's be honest, a big part of this is perception, right? Mm -hmm. It just is. And, you know, and I know that, some of the candidates that have been surfaced that they've interviewed, people are like, oh, really? Really, this yeah. is where we're at? This is where we're at? But yeah. I think that you, when you said from a four to a seven, because of all the things that Patrick said, because of all the, because the idea of, oh, wait a second. I, I, do you think this guy, this hire right now, as we sit here, when it comes to perception, at least, would be the best road for them to go down from all the names that you've heard? I, I I still lean toward Eddie Romero, but I mean, it seems like that his name might not be, you know, cons- maybe may not be the number one. I think he's been in the organization, but, you know, maybe they feel like they need, you know, a, a, a fresh eye. And, you know, I think from all the other names that I've heard in the running, even even like even like Sam Fold and, you know, all these other guys, I think when you're looking at the resume of 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 Breslow and just what what he brings to the table in terms of being around the game for for a long time pitching in boston you know living here still having the pulse of 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 what the city's like some in similar vein to chicago right i mean you know you like fans show up every day right like it's it's the expectation of like we want this product to be entertaining 
We want this product to be um, something that creates a, a winning formula. We want our team to make postseason pushes. We don't want to just like the like the Cubs and, and the Red Sox, like not being in the playoffs. Like it, it's it's not good for baseball, right? Like there's really there's what I was talking the other night. Like it's only like one cold weather state, like in the playoffs, and every everywhere else is like a dome. It doesn't. There's feel- only one cold weather state for what Tori Lovello just told me. Is long is long sleeve baseball, which I loved. I love that. Like, like here we are in long sleeve baseball. And I'm thinking, well, now I know actually he's in Arizona, but I love that you said that. Like one cold weather state. What are we doing? What's happening? What are, exactly. It, it just it just feels weird, right? And so when you when you look at when you when you look at his resume, when you look at the, the obviously every, the stuff that you know Patrick is named, you know, I, I do think that that that's a candidate that can help, you know, from a per- perception perspective can be like okay i can work with that like that's something you know obviously the the the, the lineage the, the the connection to theo and all that stuff i think that that helps too but just just the overall his 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 experience here um as a player i think and and winning here um not just the experience but also winning here um i think that goes a long way especially with this market I agree. I, I agree with everything that you guys have said. And I think that it's one of these things where, you know, it, it's, again, you go back to perception of it and, and people like the outside the box sometimes when, when the inside the box isn't smacking you in the face with that's awesome. They like the outside the box. They do. And I remember, you know, one of the first things that I thought of, I'm like, okay, this is because when you first hear Breslow and Patrick, maybe you heard otherwise, but when you first hear Breslow, I'm like, all right, they're, they're testing the waters, right? There's they're giving him an interview or maybe they're not even getting him in. Maybe they want him to be the pitching coach. I don't know. But, and then it gains steam, but there are these guys that get in the process and all of a sudden blow people away. And they start looking at it differently. And I think they start looking at it differently in the team's element and also in the team's, uh, in, in the in public's element. And I looked, I go back to, this is way back, but when Kevin Cash, like Kevin Cash was a bullpen coach, I think for a year, a bullpen coach for a year. Before that, he was an advanced scout. Before that, he was a player. And all of a sudden, he's the manager for the race. But he interviewed, I think, for the Rangers first. And he starts getting the interviews. Then he starts getting a reputation. They, they, everyone, people are looking at like, wait, maybe this isn't such a bad idea. So I don't think it like this. I think people like the idea of what might be. And it's just like a prospect, right, guys? I mean, it's like a prospect. Like, yeah. we like the idea of the the, the – um, the the high upside the high the 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 ceiling is higher for a guy like Craig Breslow in our eyes than it is for a lot of people. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I guess my my question is so what what do you think they thought Heim was? Do you think they thought he was a prospect? Do you think no, they thought no? No, was- well, I think they thought they they thought they hoped he was a prospect. They came from a place that had done it a very successful way. So, okay. so I think with Breslow and, and Patrick, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. I don't think they're looking at it and say, "Oh, look, we're we're drawing from the Cubs' way of doing things." 
They're drawn mm-hmm. from the recent success of the Cubs, of, of Patrick articulating his column in right here of some of the things. That helps. That's yeah. that's builds a LinkedIn page. Good for him. But it's it's but it's not drawing from like I think with Heim it was more and we did this exercise. Holy mackerel, in the last 10 years, look at how much the Rays have won. They've won as much as anyone. Look the guy who was part of the Rays, there it is. So I think there was that element more of anything. But Patrick, I want to ask you this. You had mentioned how he wanted to be the he was he's ready to be the head guy. This was the goal to be the head guy. Now, is do you get the sense there's a chance that so he's assistant GM right now, right? That's his title along with the pitching thing. Yeah, like senior VP of pitching, assistant GM. Assistant GM. Like yeah. So, so they could get him by calling him a GM, and they could still put someone over him. Do you do you get the sense that? And I'll throw out a name: Thad Levine, right? Thad Levine, who was more experience in the front office, almost was basically on the doorstep of the Phillies job before backing out and Dombrowski got it, that Breslow would be okay with something like that, that that would be something that he would move from this current position because it is a bigger title and probably more responsibility. I mean, he's we've talked so much about all this pitching stuff. Well, you know, yes, the Red Sox have to get better pitching, but they have to be better at everything. So do you get that sense that he would move for that? I would answer it this way. I think the idea, it was good to bring up the idea, Rob, of like a courtesy interview. Like this is not that. Like he would not go through with it. Um, if this wasn't like heating up, you know what I'm saying? Of just like, you know, he doesn't really need the Red Sox to be honest like if you look at his resume and his trajectory like he is on the way to uh becoming that and I would say that he if he's not a GM if he's not the number two he's like number two and a quarter like this is someone right now who, right now who Jed, who yeah. Jed Hoyer and David Ross are talking to constantly whether that's you know, day-to-day transactions, like what are we, how are we going to script out the bullpen? Uh, This is someone who met with Jamison Tyone in New York uh, when they were courting him as a free agent. When the Cubs bring in, uh, you know, free agent relievers, a lot of times, you know, pitching coach Tommy Hadovy will play a lead role in that. But, you know, all of these like scripts that they give to, um, pitchers on how we're going to improve like that's you know a breslow thing and so i feel like you know the cubs have gone kind of above and beyond to accommodate uh craig breslow and let him do you know kind of what he whatever he wants and um i mean that in like a good way of just like okay like how do you want how do you envision your post-playing career to go and they made that happen and the cubs uh, have the kind of um, latitude to pay him very well and give him a ton of responsibilities and let him wait for the right thing. And I think this is, uh, I think any candidate would look at what's happened to the people who run the Red Sox in recent years. Like if you win a World Series, you get fired. If you don't win a World Series, you get fired. And it's like, you know, <laughs> this is not a one hiring cycle where Craig Breslow will have this opportunity. And that's why I think, you know, 
the way it was explained to me is like the the Red Sox may wind up hiring two, right? Is that how? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean they they yeah, have like, two spots. They basically have okay. two spots, right? So it could be a president of baseball mm-hmm. operation. I know that Julian loved these titles. I love incredi- them. It's incredible how many. <laughs> how many? It could be president of baseball uh, operations and a GM. So that's why I mentioned ninety five analysts. Yeah, I I just I just don't think the title does that much. For now, maybe getting to work in Boston is, is worth it. Right. I mean, obviously like when you live that close to Fenway park um, instead of going to Arizona for spring training and fly. And that's the other thing too. Like, you know, he's regularly at Wrigley field. He'll he's in Arizona for X number of weeks for spring training. Uh, Usually when the Cubs are on the road on the East coast, like you'll see him there in the Eastern time zone. So like, He's very much like, you know, has his finger on the pulse of the day-to-day operations of the major league club. And I just don't think someone who's that much of a high achiever um, and who's accomplished so much in the game is going to be like, it doesn't go through this process to like finish second, right? And so that is certainly a layer of this. That's why, you know, when I say, you know, advanced discussions, like it took a lot for you know, the Cubs, the Red Sox, and Breslow to get to this point, right? And so not saying he's the only guy or the – but he's, you know, very firmly on the radar and, you know, will likely um, you know, make a very thorough, informed decision however this shakes out. Julian, where do you – right now, as we sit here, I've, and I know that, like, Patrick has, like, your heart rate racing. It's like sold sold you and Craig Breslow. He did. It's up, uh, it's up to eight and a half now. All right, so <laughs> it's almost at eleven. Spinal tap eleven. Uh mm-hmm. what uh so as we sit here, Breslow, Levine, Romero, whoever else, right? Or maybe Kim Ang, whoever. What do you what do you feel about this? And and by the way, now it's trickling. Not a lot, but there's a little bit like, oh, what did, what did, why do you even fire Heimblum? Like, what are you doing? Like, what, yeah. like, why did you do that? Like, look at this. Like, what is happening? And so we, now that we've gone through a couple of weeks of this, and please let it be over soon. Uh, now what we've got through a couple, what do you feel? Like, what's your feel? What's your vibe? Like, in terms of like, well, what do you feel about maybe it's who they should hire, what they should do, like the, the how you feel about the job now considering like compared to maybe like when the offseason started when this whole thing happened yeah. um and because another mention name that we haven't even mentioned guys which is part of this equation is Alex Cora it's yeah. Alex Cora right and i think that one of the things that an executive texted me today said cuz we're talking about this dynamic of potentially Breslow being with somebody else whether it's that or whether it's Breslow at the top and dealing with Alex Cora, one good thing about Breslow is that he doesn't have a big ego, right? So that I think that works in his favor when it comes to, you know, being put with a front office and a manager. And he also knows these guys. So anyway, go ahead. Floor is yours, Julian. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think in the in the beginning, it was like really, really tone deaf, right? Like they're, you know, remember Sam comes out and says, this is the Boston Red Sox. And if you want to, you know, work here, then, you know, you'll work here. If you don't, then see you <laughs> later kind of thing. And it's like, whoa, like, 
dude, like, I don't know if that's what you want to really want to say. Like, it's not, I mean, you guys haven't really done. I mean, a lot of people from the outside, you know, looking in, they see it as like this toxic relationship. And even like Brezzo, it's like, do you want to go from the confines of like being able to do zooms and, 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 you know, talk about, and obviously you want to, you know, go move up in your career, but is it worth it when you're going to get fired in four years? Right. Like where I can just like be in the confines of my own home, do a zoom, then hop off and take my daughter to school versus having to be at the park. Like, yeah, you're in Boston, but like you're at Fenway. Right. 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 Like you're at, like you're, you're there. Right. It's not, you're no longer like this, this work from home work life balance kind of, you know, executive. It's like, no, this is, this is all in. I mean, you saw Haim, like he went in, like literally he looked like Obama. I'm, I'm telling you, like his hair was like brown. His hair was like yours. It was like took completely brown. And then by the fourth year, I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. So moral right? of the story, Patrick never become a uh, chief baseball officer. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> he, I mean, he's like, like he has like, he's like peppered gray and it's, it's, you look and you're just like, geez, like this job really, really wears on you. So, um, for him to be able to for so the vibe I get now, I mean, last last week it was bad, right? I mean, guys just like just dumping them left and right. You got people uh, like you got people declining left and right. And it's it kind of felt like when they were missing out on like, you know, Jose Abreu and all those guys last year in the offseason. It was it was like, oh, the Red Sox are in on this guy, too. But he chose elsewhere. Oh, they were in on Eflin, but, you know, they didn't pay him such and such. So it's. It kind of felt that that sort of vibe. But I mean, look, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it is, even though it does come with with the idea of like, hey, you know, you might get fired. I mean, it still is the Red Sox. But again, it come. But to to get to Patrick's point, I mean, Breslow doesn't need them. Right. And I I think that's what that's what what sort of Sam got misconstrued is the fact that he felt like people needed them and, and people needed the Red Sox. And it's like. No, I'm I'm actually good being the uh, GM of the Dodgers and not you know having a sort of this. But big, real big, quick, Julian. So you keep back to the Sam thing. Yeah, I don't think that that was like it is hard. That was the salesman Sam. Yeah. That was that was like well, that was the wrong sales pitch. Then no, no, but but well, you know, I, I don't know what else he would say. Not, I'm not I'm not defending it, but I'm just saying. When he says, because he got, did you ask that question? Did you ask no, that question? No, I think it was like. Uh, oh, yeah, someone else. So anyway, it was like, so it was, but when he's asked the question, his tone changed. You're right. His tone it changed. Was, it was the tone of it. The tone of it was very, very. Right. Uh, but it was, it was the, it was, I'm getting on a stool. Everybody gather around. You know, it's like, yeah. it was sort of like the, 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 when Mookie went to the Dodgers and gave the speech, right? Yeah. It was his heart was in the right place, but you know it yeah. probably wasn't the 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 right guy, the right time, the right message. At the but it is what it is. Like it's someone yeah. who's desperately trying to do like this is our avenue. Hey, Brandon Gomes. Hey, Sam Fold. Hey, Craig Breslow. Everybody understand how awesome this job is. But doesn't yeah. just because he had that tone and said he said that. It wasn't like they were going to be like, oh, you know, to Patrick's point, oh, you win the World Series, you're fired. Oh, you know, win the World Series, you're fired. Oh, forget that. I heard Pat, I heard Sam Kennedy say how awesome it is. No, right. no, no anyway. Right. And, and and so like so for me, like I'm looking now, and it, it just feels like too much stuff clustered together, right? Like 
we're keeping the same front office that that were here. Fine, Raquel, Eddie, fine, they're great, all awesome, whatever. However, when you're saying, oh, but we also want to hire two more people, and it's like, okay, so will Eddie be a part of that? So does he move now? Move down to like number three or four? Then you got Mike Groupman there. Like, how does this? the structure of all this fitting all this into one work. Right. And so when you're looking at somebody like Craig coming in, who has a vision, who came with the vision with the Cubs, and you said he was obviously met with some backlash and stuff like that. You're probably going to have the same thing in this front office to a sense. So it's like, how much of this job can I actually do? And so that's what it comes down to for me is like, sure, you're hiring these people. Sure. You're doing, you're doing this, but like when it gets to the middle of the season, I'm not talking about opening day when it's like, oh, yeah, you know, put together the roster, such and such and such. Like, no, I'm talking about when they're in Seattle in the middle of the season and you're just looking around and say, OK, whose job is this actually? Like, is this my job? Right. And and so I think that's that's the answer that that's sort of that that is sort of I mean, that's a question that I'm sort of like. I can't answer. Right. Because it just seems like they just have so many people in this in this in this pecking order in this front office. And then you have these new fresh ideas of how you want to work things and how things want to go. And it's like, yeah, but we don't do that around here. And it's like, wait, am I the, am I the, am I the first in charge or what? So that's the only thing that, that like that it's for me, Rob, the answer right now is just confusion. All right. That's it. It's just confusion. I'm confused as to what the direction of this. Oh, I, think, I, I, I got it. I understood it. I, I, I was like, okay, this is, they, they had direct uh, uh, thinking of saying we want to cut payroll, we but we still want to be competitive. When you're saying, okay, well, the Yankees sort of were able to be competitive. They were trying to build a long-term, sustainable roster. That was the thing. That was the message. What's the message here? Winning, okay, fine. But how do we do that with so many people and in, in, in so many hands in the pot? Plus the manager. Yeah, wow. well, like I said, I mean, but I, I think Dombrowski when when. So what you're saying or what your fear is, this goes back to before you were there. It was, this was the problem. It was Sherrington. It was Lucchino. It was Werner. It was Henry. To a certain extent, it was Sam. And then Dabrowski comes in and at first press conference, he's like, are you going to like, is Sam going to have any say? And basically, he's like, no. Like, it was like, it was one word. No. And that was it. We all knew this was it. And we and they know that in Philadelphia now too. By the way, like this is the guy, Heim. I think they tried to do the same thing. I think it's smart. You have to have the guy in Chicago. Jed Hoyer's the guy, right? I mean, there's no room for interpretation, right, Patrick? Yeah. Right. No, I mean that was when Theo first came out to Chicago. It was not just the title, but to get a direct report to ownership that meant everything to Theo and uh, the Cubs. Ownership group is imperfect, uh, but they really leave the baseball people alone. They give them X is your budget, do what you want with it. And that's when I talk about, you know, this is getting way far down the road. But if Craig Breslow is weighing his options, like Jed Hoyer will have full authority to do whatever he thinks is right to retain it. And now there's no standing away of like for New England kids to grow up and win a World Series with the Red Sox and then be the number one guy at Fenway Park. Like there's nothing the Cubs can do like with that. But if we get into these more gray areas of title inflation and, you know, whatever, like he has a pretty good setup where he is right now. And so uh, for what it's worth, I heard he has a good relationship with uh, Sam Kennedy, but I guess probably a lot of people do, but 
Um, I can't can't hurt. I guess it's, I don't. It's, it's I don't funny. know the dynamics of the Red Sox as well as you guys. No, do. no, I, I, no, I'm equally puzzled from afar. No, I believe. Yeah, I believe there's a lot of good. I mean, Eddie Eddie Romero was there when Breslow was playing. Raquel was there when there's a lot of people still there. Um, when when he was playing, but it's funny that because we we've had this tidal wave of of I can't family uh, c- considerations, right? And I think. You know, I know that people kind of crap on that, but I do think in some cases it's stronger than others. Like Thad Levine turned down the Phillies because of his family, right? John Daniels turned down an interview because of his family. Now, Sam Fold and Brennan Gomes, who knows? But I find it funny, Julie, like now <laughs> he can't say the family thing because they live in wherever, Milton. Well, yeah. well, uh, you know, it's I, I enjoyed the flight to Chicago a lot more than the commute from Milton to Fenway Park. So... <laughs> So that's so that is literally off the table now. Um, all right. Well, I'm just going to ask each of you, starting with you, Patrick. Where does what happens? What's your, what's your guess? What happens with Craig Breslow heading into the 2024 season? What is he doing? Where who is he with? Oh, I have no idea. I'm not pretending that I know the inner workings of the Red Sox. No, I'm no, saying, but I'm just like your gut, your gut, your gut, your gut. Like maybe it's a, maybe it's a promotion within the Cubs. I don't know. I think you if know? he's offered the number one job, he would take it. And I think if he's not offered the number one job, he stays with the Cubs. Okay. I don't know that's, if that's too. Not, that's my read on the situation, and that I would defer to you guys uh, in terms of the uh, palace intrigue at Fenway <laughs> Park. Because I only heard it, you know, whatever, eighth hand from some of the, you know, all the ex-Red Sox employees I've encountered in, in Chicago over the years. No, but it's 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 good insight, honestly, because, like I said, I laid out the scenario where there's somebody over him. And I mm-hmm. think that, you know, it, I, from afar, they knowing, knowing, you know, that Craig's been integrated into the, the Chicago Cubs way of doing things, but I've lost touch with it i'll be honest with you i saw him in chicago when we went out there i've lost touch with him and talking to you like you get a sense of like how much more power i think that he has and i think that people around boston even understood like um, almost every sentence like ross thomas like you know and brez and brez of like talk you know whether you're asking about a you know uh, a transaction a player a decision like you know, he can't get any more inner circle with the Cubs than he is right now unless he's the number one guy, and that's not going to happen. So he can either bide his time and wait for the other, you know, another great opportunity, but obviously you run the risk of not getting to run the Red Sox. Oh, you just wait for the Red Sox to fire whoever they hire in three years. It's and then, four, and then four, but yeah, you'll be you know, really ready then. He has this moment. I think Chris Young, uh, his example matters. I think it's significant that he, when you see Brandon Gomes and uh, Sam Fold decline interview, just him agreeing to interview is a significant act of, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, of like kind of affirmation of like, yeah, okay, acceptance, like, yeah. so that's a big deal. And you have all these things kind of, you know, lining up, like the Cubs certainly don't want to lose him, but they you know, have to be braced for that uh, possibility right now. All right, Julie, where's he end up? Um, wow. Um, you're just so depressed. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna defer to to a, where does he end up? I think, again, I think it goes back to you know having learned, you know, a lot about him, even even in this this segment. You know, I think 
it, it does it is deserving of a, of a number one title right i think if you're like even if he, if the if a guy comes in above him right if they if that were to happen well then you're sitting there for four years that guy gets fired well what happens with you right you could have probably just been with the cubs moving up in some some you know in some form and it's the cubs right it's not like we're talking about like the kansas city royals you're like no it's like it's one of the more historic franchises in all of baseball that we're talking about. It's like it's like you have Cubs, Cardinals, Yankees, Red Sox, um, you know, and you know whoever Dodgers, whoever else you want to throw in there. And it's like those teams are one of one. So it's not like he's coming from a place where he has to necessarily has to necessarily leave and sort of you know. Obviously, I think Patrick, you alluded to his his title. You know, his his role with the team outweighs you know actually what his what his title actually is. He does a lot more than uh, what a title is. So. I think you have to be a number one and I'm going to go with, go with, um, you know, uh, with Patrick on that. I think he has to be a number one. And I think if he is a number one, he does end up here. Um, but again, I think that the, the idea of having, having just all those moving parts and all those, uh, um, not moving parts, but all those, the, just the cluster of front office execs and the manager and everything like that. I think he's going to have to get a real good, and I'm sure he is with, you know, his background and everything, but to get a real good feel for, what his role with the team should be because you know probably time at that time felt like his hand hands were tied right even down to you know picking who is who he wanted to be as his manager when Cora came back so I think there has to be this this um this this sense of 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 okay can I run this organization for instance right like if he feels like Alex like Alex Cora's contract is up at the end of the end of this year or in the next year I think a question that he should ask is if I feel like he's underperforming can I fire him Right. I think and in 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 Grant, I like Alex. I think Alex is a great manager, but that's a that's a question that if I were going into it and my family were on if if my if my family were a part of it, I'm switching switching a job, switching not a career, but switching uh um, you know, going going up in the pecking order and becoming a front office exec for the Red Sox, I think there has to be like, hey, like, can I if if I feel like this guy's underperforming, can I bring in a guy that I feel like that I can get this done with? And that's going to have to be a question. I think that has to be answered. And I'm certainly sure that it's it's something that he's probably, you know, possibly alluded to. And I, I get mean, why I get why people don't people look at it of okay, bring him in as the number two, and that just doesn't really kind of work with how he's wired, to my understanding. And it's also like the stuff that he doesn't know or isn't experienced at can be learned. And that's where some of these, you know. I guess non-glamorous names, whether it's Neil Huntington or there has to be, you know, there's lots of administrators or experienced season hands who can help with all that stuff. Like these jobs mm-hmm. have become so big that you need multiple people. But if you need someone to kind of lay out the vision, when when the press conference talked to players uh, at a really unique level, like, you know, the boring stuff matters. I mean, I see it like I think the Cubs have been pretty good at that during Craig Breslow's time here as well. Like, you know, the Padres have no like depth or cohesion or kind of like um, kind of a a logical runway, like the getting those guys, those optionable pitchers or like, you know, when guys get injured, like who's the next man up, like all those things like, are super important. And there are people in the game who are very well versed in that. There are not many people say who can say like I've pitched in the world series and I've done all these other things in the game. I think you can kind of 
get up to speed. Certainly someone uh, who's that bright can learn that side of it. And I think um, that will probably be where this comes down to, right? Of, you know, he interviews for the number one job and then they'll see if they think he's ready for it or not. And what sort of compromises uh, are people going to have to make in this? Well, he would definitely be the first ever president of baseball operations ever to write for WEI.com, which he did during the 2013 playoffs. He kept a journal for us, so we appreciate that. I appreciate you guys. You made me think this was like a good this was a good workshop. We're workshopping. I love it. This is good. Yeah. You, I, you legit made me think about a lot of things differently a couple of days ago. Certainly a week ago, I I had a totally different perspective of the Craig Breslow candidacy. Um, and now it's changed. So there you go. I think we did a lot of good today. Thank you. I always love talking to you guys. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks. I'm I'm up to I'm up I'm 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 up at eight point six five now. Yeah, you are fired up. Let's go. Fired. <laughs>